well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am glad to have you with us on the program today. Coming up in uh, just a moment, we're going to be talking with uh, Mr. A. Benjamin Manis, who has a a new piece at Philadelphia Weekly that uh, I think is worth getting into. You know, Philadelphia... Uh, is having some real issues with violent crime. They uh, nearly set a record for homicides last year. They are uh, on pace to at least get close to that number again. They may very well set a record for homicides in uh, 2021. Uh, And you've got uh, a number of issues here. I mean, you've got an anti-gun mayor in uh, Jim Kenney. You've got a district attorney in Larry Krasner who is soft on crime. Um, I, I have no issues, by the way, with Larry Krasner saying, look, we're not going to make simply carrying a firearm without a license a, a priority for our prosecutors. I actually don't have a problem with that. I do, however, have a problem with the decline in the number of felony cases prosecuted by Larry Krasner's office, including violent felonies. Uh, the number of individuals who are being released on bond for violent crimes, despite being a threat to the community, despite perhaps having a lengthy uh, previous criminal history. Uh, you, you, you've got a gun-centric attitude in Philadelphia. If we could just do something about the guns, then the crime will disappear. Well, Benjamin Manis, uh, in his new piece at Philadelphia Weekly, says, look, let's call a murder a murder. He writes, Philadelphia had more murders in the first half of 2021 than the entire year from 2013 to 2017 denoting the grim reality that neither elected nor appointed leaders have a plan to stop the rise of violent crime in the city. Meanwhile, the media have universally labeled the seemingly uncontrolled crime uptick as a, quote, gun violence epidemic. And he says by using the term gun violence, instead of the legal definitions of murder, attempted murder, and assault, the accountability for the criminal who committed these violent crimes is semantically shifted to the mere tool that they illegally used to victimize others. We're going to talk about this with Benjamin Manis. In fact, let's get the conversation started right now. Take a look and a listen. Hey, Ben, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's good talking with you today. It's my pleasure. So I got to ask, first of all, what what prompted you to write about this for Philadelphia Weekly? So I've actually been covering uh, topics like this for years. I've covered them in The Hill. I've covered them in The Daily Caller, Newsmax, Arizona Republic, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Buffalo News. Um, you know, even in the Philadelphia Inquirer piece, uh, basically, you know, the issues from the perspective of myself as, you know, I'm not a journalist per se. I became a journalist because I was being trolled by journalists and I had a tit for tat, but I come from the public safety community. You know, I'm a former cop. I'm a former cop from DC where the gun law got overturned, uh, because it was unconstitutional because the, and I'm from New York where, you know, that all started, where gun control in the Sullivan Act started as a, as a thing. And it needs to be mentioned that, um, you know, it, it's never worked. It is a political tool. Uh, absolutely. Need, yeah. I mean, we need to call, um, you know, I believe in educating people. I believe in educating leaders. I don't believe there should be two sets of news. I believe there is only one set of news, and that is the truth. And the problem with this whole argument is it's a political crutch. So if you're a mayor like Jim Kenney, like Bill de Blasio, like Muriel Bowser, 
you know, you have a responsibility, you have a duty to address why people are picking up guns illegally and using them to victimize other people. But that is a very complex issue. Right. And gun violence, uh, quote unquote, and say we're going to deal with gun violence. That is a a very simplistic uh, approach. I want to I want to quote from your piece. Uh, you talked with a senior Philadelphia police commander uh, who spoke under the condition of anonymity because he's afraid of reprisals from the department. Uh, he said, quote, it's a fact that less than one percent of the time legitimate gun owners discharge their firearms. And usually when that occurs, it's done legally in defense of themselves, in defense of family members, in defense of an innocent victim or in defense of their property. We do not have people with gun permits and registered firearms going around the streets of the city, randomly shooting people. Recidivist criminals, the overwhelming majority who were let out by Larry Krasner, the D.A., are committing the shootings. I, I think this is. A, a, a key factor that nobody really wants to talk about, certainly not within the Philadelphia government here. No. When they talk about, you know, we need to do something about uh, getting rid of the guns. And you write about this as well. Look, we live in a nation with 100 million legal gun owners, with 400 million legally owned firearms and the constitutional right to keep and bear them. So when I hear we need to do something about the guns, what I hear is we need to crack down on people's civil rights. And, and I look at what's going on in Philadelphia, where, again, you've got repeat violent offenders who are driving this violence. And, and it seems like the city's approach, Ben, is almost an abstinence policy when it comes to firearms. They, they, they don't want people to own them. They certainly don't want people to carry them. And they don't want people to be trained and educated on how to use a firearm. I mean, if, you know, if, if somebody tried to open up a range in Northeast Philadelphia, what kind of barriers do you think the city would put in place? Yeah, actually, not that. I mean, it, so you have anti-gun groups that are protesting the permitting in such places. But, you know, it, it should be pointed out that Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania in general, actually, is a island of sanity in the Northeast. So we don't have draconian gun laws in Pennsylvania. Um, as much as our city leaders would prefer that we did, and they've actually tried to get the state to enable municipal gun laws uh, in Philadelphia the way that there are separate laws in the five boroughs of New York as mm -hmm. opposed to the rest of the state of New York. Um, and Harrisburg, you know, our state legislature shot that down, you know, outright. Uh, and the reason is, is, is statistically, there is no proof that draconian gun laws work. And this is one of the few places like Washington, D.C., for example, where you could prove they don't work. Um, the truth is, if you look at Camden, New Jersey, Trenton, New Jersey, Atlantic City, New Jersey, um, New Jersey, you know, and New York have some of the most stringent gun laws in America. They're, they're very, very anti-Second Amendment. Um, but we're separated by a bridge. We're right over the river. Uh, our laws, are, you know, we're, we're a, a shall-issue state. They're a may-issue state. So why is their crime equal, if not worse, per capita in their big cities than in Philadelphia? The truth is, it's not the tool used to commit the crime. It's absolutely actual enforcement of the existing laws. So I'm not over here, you know, running around saying we should have no gun laws uh, or we should become a constitutional carry state because this is a big city. This is a very dense urban environment. Um, so there are, you know, there needs to be some kind of permitting training and documentation. The problem is when the government tries to make it about legal gun owners. And what that police commander has said, um, you know, 
unequivocally is the people with permits are not the problem. The people who jump through the hoops to get their permit, to submit to a background check. I don't care where you are in America. That's not the problem. So. I, you know, the, the only thing that I would say, and we're not going to, I don't want to derail the conversation by getting into a constitutional carry debate, but we have seen the city of Philadelphia sued because they actually shut down their gun permit unit uh, for a period of months beginning last year in the wake of the COVID shutdowns. I so you it. did have a, right. So you did have a situation where people who, who were legally eligible uh, to, to carry a firearm could not do so because the city wasn't processing their permits. Uh, and ultimately we had, I don't know what the backlog is at the moment, but for a while there, the backlog was, was more than a year. Folks were having to wait more than a year to exercise their right, which I would argue leads to some people carrying illegally. Because if yeah, you live in a bad a neighborhood and you want to protect yourself, you know, at some point you're going to you're going to take that risk. I would rather be tried by 12 than carried by six. At 100 percent. Yeah. I mean, that and, and that's I mean, look, I'm a victim of that. Um, in 2005, I, I was working with the Department of Homeland Security as a cleared regulatory inspector um, on critical infrastructure. And I had Virginia permits and I went into the district with my firearm, a former D.C. cop a former two-time police shooter on their Olympic team, and they charged me with, you know, crossing the bridge on the old D.C. gun law, which has since been overturned. So, I mean, you could you could make that argument, but the truth is there's a lot less crime right over the Potomac in Virginia than there is in the district, and that has very little to do with the, you know, unconstitutionally stringent gun laws that the district has. So, I mean, the question with, you know, using COVID, I wrote a piece in BigTrial.net about how the city of Philadelphia used COVID as an excuse to push gun permit uh, appointment. The initial, mm-hmm. basically the go leave your fingerprints, um, you know, appointment. And they pushed that back almost two years because using COVID as an excuse. And they, they have tried to roll that back. But the truth is that's more an oversight issue in Pennsylvania than it is, uh, you know, a gun rights issue because what it is in Philadelphia is this is the only city where the police department issues gun permits in Pennsylvania. Every other county, it's the sheriff. Mm-hmm. It's sheriff is elected. They're they're into constituent service. So if you look right over the border in Bucks County, uh, they actually added an office at a strip mall in Levittown, you know, and night hours so that you could go get your permit um, Versus the Philly Police Department, which is an executive branch agency, and they don't get paid or extra or keep their job, uh, regardless of how poorly they do their job in that aspect. Yeah, and I, I, I you know, I, I'm old enough to remember uh, former Mayor John Street specifically blaming the rise in homicides on concealed carry holders. And he said he actually wanted to stop issuing concealed carry licenses. Uh, and the media, frankly, back then were, were uh, uh, they actually called them out. They said, well, how many murders were committed by concealed carry holders? Well, I don't have that information. Well, the number was zero. Um, so we've seen this anti-good attitude. But but how does this how, how does this distract, you think, from from actually addressing violent crime in philadelphia if they're if they're if they're blaming it on gun violence we got to get the guns off the streets we got to have gun buybacks guns 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 are, are, are they just losing sight are they uninterested in actually dealing with the individuals who are pulling the trigger who are carrying guns illegally who are uh you know maybe arrested on violent crimes and are quickly bonded out and put back out on the streets are they just not is that not part of the equation it's the oldest crutch in the political playbook as a local mayor or what have you district attorney because if you blame the tool, you're not looking at the sociological impact of the person using the tool. 
Um, and that's the real problem is because we have a DA, one of many in the country who was elected under a very radical regime. He was elected with outside money and his entire playbook has been decarceration. So he's basically eliminated most bail and lessened most charging for criminals in the city of Philadelphia. And that runs the gamut from shoplifting to armed robbery. Uh, and there are a couple of captains, the, the district captain in the 18th district, for example, has a Twitter where he has taken to Twitter to show guns that are seized and perpetrators that are arrested because he knows there's a very large chance that they're going to be let go, that somewhere in, along the lines they're going to be released pre-confinement and not going to you know, escalate that cycle of criminality. So the, the issue here is, yes, they're blaming, they're, they're relabeling things. Whenever you hear catchphrases like gun violence, uh, what is gun violence? It's a crime. It's attempted murder. It's murder. It's armed robbery. It's armed rape. Why aren't we using the actual legal terms for what these gun violence things are? And the truth is because when you use the legal term murder, you have to look at a murderer who committed the crime. And the more you think about who committed the crime and assign blame where blame belongs, you have to wonder why these people aren't being held accountable. And I'm talking about the criminal at hand, as well as the DA who's not enforcing the law the way it is written in the city. And when he doesn't do that, people of color, people who are poor are the ones being victimized. So all the people he swore to make, you know, equality and, and equity, equity is the new catchphrase because it isn't equality. Equality is the opportunity for outcome, not outcome. And uh, yeah, I mean, people like Larry Krasner are the ones causing people to die at wholesale rates unheard of record rates in the city of Philadelphia. And yet Krasner just cruised to re-election, Ben. I mean, that, you know, that, that's the thing is I, this, this doesn't seem to be harming Larry Krasner's political life. Well, the, the problem in Philadelphia is it's a one-party town. Um, he hasn't really technically been re-elected yet, but he's expected to. Uh, he won the primary, unfortunately, against an extremely uh, capable, qualified former district assistant district attorney um, named Carlos Vega. But, I mean, it would, became about voter turnout. There was only an 11 percent voter turnout primer this year. Um, and he's, he's going against a Republican who hasn't really been out there. And he's uh, outnumbered seven to one anyhow in the polls. So, yeah, I mean, the, the issue is money. Right. All the talk about campaign finance, when you're outnumbered seven to one in a city that has a three thousand dollar campaign finance limit, how do you overcome such a barrier? You either need to import a million new voters or you need to have a, a name. And if you look in history, let's look at Rudy Giuliani, who was the first Republican mayor elected to the city of New York um, since Fiorello LaGuardia, who was the mayor of New York during World War II. So how does a guy beat that long and odd? And the truth is he was a celebrity. He was the guy who put John Gotti away. He was a famous federal prosecutor. We don't have anyone famous in Philly running against guys like Larry Krasner. I wish we did. Um, yeah, what's, what's, what's Gritty's position on, uh, on, on violent crime? Uh, do we know? I, I, well, the, the sad part is Gritty, you know, a lot of the hipsters use Gritty as a mascot in this town on yeah. everything, stickers, voting, things. So I, I, I'm pretty sure Gritty is not on the same page as a, 
as us, nor is the fanatic, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. So, so, I mean, do you have any optimism about things changing in Philadelphia? Because you write about, and you quote Mike Bresnan, who's the head of uh, Local 22, the union representing the firefighters and paramedics in Philadelphia. And he says, quote, this isn't about guns. It's about a total lack of accountability by our city's criminal justice leaders. Every day, our members treat and transport repeat victims of violent crime, addiction, and accidents. It seems to me like you've got this growing divide between the lawmakers and the law enforcers, the first responders, whether it's, you know, the, the cop on the street, the firefighter, the paramedic, the folks who are actually witnessing the, the outcomes of these types of policies. And they're screaming from the rooftops, hey, something's got to change. But then the politicians, who, as you say, are, are in this one party town. Uh, you know, all they have to do is say, no, 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 it's, 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 it's not the people. We don't have to deal with any individuals. It's the system. Uh, it's guns. It's all of these things. That, and all we need is more money uh, and more laws. And we can take care of the problem, more power. And we can take care of the problem. And they'll, and they'll blame uh, things that aren't necessarily even defined, like social justice, inequity, racial inequality, uh, systemic racism. I mean, the truth is this, um, you know, the, 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 I could have quoted. John McNesby, who's the head of the FOP here. He's a friend. I love the guy. Um, but John McNesby has been labeled as covering for corrupt cops. So, you know, because he's the union head for the police officers. So putting him in there wouldn't have helped. But putting the head of the firefighters union, I mean, nobody hates firemen, right? Nobody <laughs> hates paramedics. They come and they help people. But the truth is, you know, before we even had this murder surge, we had an opioid pandemic. Yep. And the opioid epidemic in Philadelphia is the worst in the nation. And we had over 1,200 deaths from opioids here. Um, so, you know, what do you say to a, an ambulance crew working in Kensington? They're unarmed. You know, they have meds on the bus and they're coming and they're scooping up people who are amid a crowd of lawless people. There were drug dealers. There were armed people around. I mean, it, nobody is safe on the streets. And the truth is because we're not holding people accountable who are entering a cycle of crime. And as long as you're not doing that, interrupting that cycle of criminality, it will escalate. Every sociological and criminological study in history, and you're talking to a guy with a master's degree, you're talking to a guy whose undergrad was in criminal justice, has shown that, you know, broken windows theory policing worked because you're interrupting a minor cycle of criminality so that you could, you know, it doesn't escalate to murder. So what do you say about change? Change will not happen in Philadelphia at the local level. There is nobody in our city government, uh, with the exception of maybe two councilmen, maybe three, who care enough to actually change things because they're worried about keeping their phony baloney jobs, as Blazing Saddles said so well. So what do you say about change? Well, the state's getting fed up. Um, so there might be changes coming both in the legislative and with the upcoming gubernatorial election that are going to add accountability. Whereas if the city of Philadelphia or any other city, you know, whether it be Allentown or Pittsburgh or New York, they don't clean up their act. Um, the state will assign people to do it. The state will come in uh, with a special prosecutor or what have you to come in and do it. Uh, and we're working toward, there's a bill in, in the House right now being introduced by Martina White, who's a, a state rep here in Northeast Philly. And it uh, is going to be the first ever recall amendment 
in the state. Because if people like Larry Krasner continue to endanger lives with their reckless policies, um, just like Florida and California, they need to be recalled. They need to be thrown out of office. So if the city doesn't want to do it for themselves, it's getting to the point where, where the commuters uh, in the suburban counties and Harrisburg is getting really fed up with throwing good money after bad. And they're going to come in and clean up house. All right, Ben, listen, man, I cannot thank you enough for joining me on the program today. Would love to continue the conversation at some point in the future. Anytime, bud. Appreciate it very much. Uh, ben Manison, you can read his piece at uh, philadelphiaweekly.com. Appreciate Ben joining us on the program. Now let's turn to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, uh, and our recidivist report as well. We'll start there with a story out of Chicago, uh, the uh, website CWB Chicago. Again, a great resource for folks who care not only about the city of Chicago. I mean, it's a good resource for Chicago residents, but even if you don't live in Chicago, if you care about violent crime, if you care about the ineptitude of a, a gun control ideology and making the city safer places, I highly encourage you uh, to read uh, CWB Chicago on a regular basis. Check out this headline. Man convicted of seven robberies won't go to prison because he spent so much time on electronic monitoring. Yeah. Chicago's criminal justice system is a mess. That's not the word that I would like to use, but this is family friendly, so I will stick with that. I had a story of Barry in Arms earlier today about a guy out on bond for attempted murder who's now been charged with murder and attempted murder in another shooting, but the original attempted murder charge was from 2018, and this guy still hasn't gone to trial. It's, it's almost 2022, and this guy is still awaiting trial on that attempted murder charge from 2018. As a result, he got released on bond because it's really difficult to argue you should keep somebody in prison for three years while they're awaiting trial. Even if they've got a lengthy criminal history, you consider them to be a danger to the community, you also have the right to a speedy trial. And that's not happening in Cook County. And as a result, you get stories like this. 22-year-old Bryce McGill, who... uh pleaded guilty to committing seven robberies during the summer of 2017, spent virtually no time in jail, and will spend no time in prison because his sentence has been offset by the time that he spent on electronic home monitoring awaiting trial. Yeah. McGill's family, back in 2017, posted $15,000 to get him out of jail on electronic monitoring after a, uh, a, a first hearing uh, regarding these seven robberies. And he stayed on electronic monitoring for, what, nearly five years until he pleaded guilty to the five robberies and two aggravated robberies. And Judge Catherine Habercorn sentenced Bryce McGill to seven concurrent seven-year prison terms. But the state also reduced his sentence by 50% for good behavior. So that's now three and a half years for seven robberies. And then these states said, well, you know, I mean, like, he's on electronic monitoring while he was awaiting trial. So uh, it's offset. Yeah, you're free to go now. Seven robberies and not a day in jail or a day in prison, despite seven guilty pleas. That's what justice looks like in the city of Chicago these days. Today's armed citizen story from Washington State where a Moses Lake woman shot a suspected burglar during a home invasion. This was the middle of the night on Sunday, around midnight Sunday. Police say 
Authorities were in the area tracking down a car theft suspect when they got a 911 call about a home invasion in the area. Officers say the caller reported that somebody had broken into her home and that she had shot them in self-defense. Police say they found the suspect trying to leave the home. Medics were able to uh, take them to the local hospital for non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, Don't have a lot of information other than that. Uh, I guess the uh, suspect's going to be facing charges. Sounds like this is a clear-cut case of self-defense, so I'm guessing that the woman is not, but uh, not a lot of information about that defensive gun use there in uh, Moses Lake, Washington. We'll try to give you some more details uh, if they do become available. And finally today, our good deed of the day, a uh, correctional officer from Indiana in the right place at the right time and willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of a bicyclist. Brian Jameson says, I think it was God that put me there to be in that position to uh, save the life of an individual. Jameson was uh, on a motorcycle with his wife a couple weeks ago. This was August 25th. He saw a semi pulled to the side of the road. And then he saw a, uh, by the way, I said a bicyclist. I think this was a a motorcyclist. I saw a motorcycle in the ditch near the semi with the driver lying next to the motorcycle. So Brian Jameson immediately stopped to help, found the motorist was in distress. He was breathing, thankfully. Uh, Jameson tried to keep the uh, uh, rider awake while waiting for emergency workers. But before they arrived, the cyclist stopped breathing. And so Brian Jameson was forced to perform CPR on the man. When the emergency crews got there, the motorcyclist was breathing again, thanks to Jameson's actions. And uh, it sounds like this guy is going to be okay. Uh, Last report, he is listed as stable, anyway, in uh, a hospital in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Brian Jameson says he didn't want to make a big deal of his efforts at the time, but he does believe that he was in the right place at the right time due to more than just chance. He said, I think it was God that put me there. He said, I was supposed to leave my house 45 minutes earlier than I did, but through a weird sequence of events, I left later than I was going to. He said he didn't drive the normal route that he takes. Normally, he likes to drive down the back roads when he's on his motorcycle, but this time he decided to go down the main highway instead. He also said that uh, he did not know CPR until he began working at uh, the prison where he works. And he says that training helped save the man's life. He says, because of this, I cannot take all of the credit for what happened. I'm just glad he's going to be okay. The uh, deputy warden of the Miami Correctional Facility, uh, George Payne Jr., says that Jameson deserves recognition for his life-saving actions, saying, quote, I am proud of Correctional Officer Jameson. While I understand he does not want to be uh, portrayed as a hero, his actions were heroic, and he deserves credit for what he did. Indeed. So. Officer Jameson, we thank you, sir, for your very good deed. And uh, again, glad you were in the right place at the right time. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of Baron Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being in the right place at the right time. I mean, this is available on demand, so anytime's the right time for Baron Arms Cam and Company, if you ask me. Anyway, do want to thank you for being a part of today's program. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Of course, you can also check out BaryAndArms.com in the meantime, and that way you'll get access to even more news that you need to know about that impact your right to keep and bear arms. Until we talk to you. Oh, actually, I guess I should tell you, if you like what you see... You can also become a VIP member at Barrier Arms. Just go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS. You can get 25% off every VIP membership. We certainly do appreciate your support. It means a lot to us. We'd like to give you something in exchange so you get exclusive analysis, commentary, news stories you won't find anywhere else uh, as our way of saying thank you. And we will be back tomorrow with even more of the latest news you need to know about when it comes to your Second Amendment rights. Until then, be well. 
Be safe and be free. 